0: The housing market has entered into a crash that I think is going to be much worse than 2008, and I want to explain why. Greetings, Land of Arcadia Economics, YouTube land or podcast land. My name is Dave Kranzler, and this is my bi-weekly podcast that I do for Chris Marcus's Arcadia Economics. And I hope everyone had a interesting, productive two weeks since my last video. And this week, I kind of wanted to veer off a little bit from the precious metal sector. I think, I think lately, the what's going on in the market and is it a bottom or not a bottom has been kicked around quite a bit. Is is a physical shortage forming or not? Um, could be yes to all of those, um, but I wanted to focus on the housing market because. The housing market has entered into a crash that I think is going to be much worse than 2008, and I want to explain why. And then hopefully, maybe I can somehow tie it into why this will be bullish for the precious metal sector. Now I'm I've got some graphs, and I'm just going to kind of speak ad hoc off of these graphs, and and maybe wing it a little bit. So hopefully, I don't sound like Joe, the 10% for the big guy Biden when he's up at the podium. And he starts to mumble and sound incoherent. So um, I assume that most of you probably saw the the new home sales data for July that was released yesterday. Month over month from June, new home sales were down on a seasonally adjusted annualized rate basis, 12.9% in July. the seasonally adjusted annualized rate basis is kind of a BS metric if you ask me. And when the when the markets, when sales are declining, it, it tends to overstate the current sales rate of, of homes for existing and for new homes. And I'll just focus on the new homes, existing homes, home sales are starting to fall off a cliff as well. Um, but at any rate, the um, the SAR, seasonally adjusted annualized rate July year over year was down 29%. Now I have one of the problems I have with a SAR metric is that it takes the change in, in it takes the, the the monthly data, does some hocus pocus to it and then annualizes it. So it comes up with a annualized rate. So yesterday the annualized rate of sales was 511,000 homes. And it was way down from, from uh, the, the previous peak that we saw. I think I think the numbers peaked last fall or last summer uh, but at at any rate um this doesn't get reported by the median most people aren't aware of it but the the census Bureau in its new home sales report also has a panel in the in the report that shows the monthly unadjusted number. I think this is a much better metric to focus on because it doesn't have the Seasonally adjusted gobbledygook that the Census Bureau puts in there, and it's it's basically just a, a straight year-over-year comparison on a month-over-month basis, and really the only statistical errors that are introduced are, are data collection errors. So you remove a whole, a whole plethora of of uh, calculus errors and regression model and errors that happen with the seasonal adjustments. Um, so, and that number on a on a year over year basis for the month of July was actually down thirty two percent. So, essentially, the housing market is is going into a free fall. Now, looking to buy buy a home, and what this what this chart shows is the affordability the month the affordability of of homes. Let me see if I okay um is has plunged to its lowest level since 1989. And in 1989, there was a mini housing bubble that was fueled partially by the junk, the Drexel Burnham junk bond, juggernaut. Um, but at any rate, you know, back then mortgages were between nine and 10%. And so now we've got the same level of low affordability and mortgage rates are at five percent so it, it kind of gives you a flavor on a comparative per, uh, basis how how severe this housing market crisis that's developing is going to get relative to historicals what happens is the housing market homes are essentially illiquid assets and by what what I mean by that is it's not like you can you know click click the internet mouse and buy and sell homes and, you know intraday or intra-week, or even intra-month in most cases. They they take a while to trade. They, it takes a while to get the, houses, the homes closed. And so what happens is, as is the case with any kind of illiquid market, when all of a sudden there's an imbalance of buyers versus sellers, the price shoots up, and then the buyers become price chasers. And that's essentially what we've seen in... I've been studying the housing market pretty intently since the early 90s, so I had to trade that sector when I traded junk bonds. And so that, that's basically the behavior that we've seen whenever there's been a run-up in home prices and, an, and a frantic increase in sales activity. So what happens is, and I mean, who knows what causes it, what the trigger point is, but all of a sudden, at some point, the buyers stop and you have a buyer strike and for a short period of time the sellers sit there holding holding on to their prices and waiting for buyers to come along and 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 take it and but the buyers don't come and so then what happens is the process starts to reverse all of a sudden there's no buyers and sellers start to get desperate this chart shows it's just a google trends analysis <laughs> and it goes back to 2004, and it it basically is a search on sell my house. And you can see here that all of a sudden there was a big spike up in people who were searching on sell my house in Google. And it came down a bit, and then it spiked back up higher in August. So essentially, it's somewhat anecdotal, but what it tells us is there's a lot of people who are potentially looking to sell their house now. And what's interesting about this is that I just saw a, a report yesterday out and it was a survey of recent home buyers and 72% of recent home buyers now regret their purchase. I think they realize that they were became price chasers and overpaid for their house and now they they wish that they would have uh, waited, you know, to see what happens to the market. Well, I think that's the period that we're in right now, to the extent that there are buyers out there who want to buy. I don't think they're in any hurry, especially with inventory starting to really soar. So this shows, and this, this chart is pretty fresh and it, it shows, uh, and, and the data comes from the census Bureau new home sales report this data shows the supply of single-family new homes, so it doesn't include condos and townhomes. And you'll see we've had an incredible spike up in the supply of new homes. In fact, it's, it's, the supply is back to where it was in 2009, except in this case, the Fed's money printing had already kicked in and the supply was starting to come down. So if you take this line back a little more, this chart is from Zero Edge, the data is from the Census Bureau, you're really back to where we were in the early part of 2008. And in fact, back then, the the, the housing, the the, the rollover in the housing market actually started in 2006, but it it came to a head and became brutal in 2008. Well, I think this is going to get a lot worse before it becomes becomes what a lot of people would consider to be brutal. But at any rate, that's, that's a big part of the problem here. You got a lot of people looking to sell their house. And th- th- this is just new homes from home builders. The same thing's happening in the supply of existing homes where you've got people who wanted to sell, might've hung their house out thinking they were gonna get last month's price. And you know now all of a sudden they want to sell, and my guess is is that we're going to see a an acceleration in the number of price cuts an acceleration versus what we've already seen after labor day starting in september and that's what my next chart shows this was very recent data from redfin i think it's um i think it's about 2 weeks old and it it shows the price cuts for active listings across the country nationwide it shows the number of price cuts that occurred um, up through august 14th and you can see that going back to 2015 the number of, of price cuts is substantially higher than at any point in the last seven years and that includes the pandemic lockdown period which is which is right in here and this was if you remember The Fed had to start printing money again in September of 2019, and the credit markets had become illiquid and the housing market was starting to roll over. And it was actually going south. And if I put a a graph of the Dow Jones Home Construction Index, you'd see that was the case. Um, And and so, you know, you had a lot of people who had their homes listed who were trying to sell their homes and they had to cut the price. I mean, we're in a much worse state right now. Now, to be fair, some some not insignificant portion of these price cuts are probably coming from people who hung their house out too high that they want to sell, and so now they're, they're dropping the price. Well, we're in a kind of a lull for the housing market these last two weeks of August, and kids are going back to school. Um, and I've actually watched on Zillow in my area, houses actually get removed from the market. Well, I fully expect that most of those homes that were on the market up until about mid-August are going to come back on the market in September. And I also think that you're going to start to see an increased level of desperation from people who need to sell their homes. So, um, and this is 14% across the country. I know that in, in many of the hot bubble markets, uh, the price, the number of active listings with price cuts is anywhere from 50 to 70%. In fact, I just saw a report out this, this afternoon. Um, today is Wednesday, August 24th. This video should go live on Thursday, August 25th. Uh, I just saw a report that in Boise, I believe it was 71% of the active listings had price cuts and Denver was in second place and something like 57% of the active listings had price, had price cuts. And there were a handful of other cities that were over 50% in terms of the number of active listings that had price cuts. So, um, and this this process is going to accelerate as this as the housing crash intensifies. Toll, some of you might have been following Toll Brothers. It reported its numbers yesterday. And to me, this is like a quintessential example of how bad the demand for homes is getting for home from home buyers. Um, this is specifically re- with respect to new homes, but to some degree, they can be interchangeable, depending on what you're looking for when you buy a home. And Toll is caters to um, kind of the upper middle class. They're, the average price of a Toll home is a little over nine hundred thousand um, dollars, and they probably range anywhere from I don't know, depending on the market, seven fifty to two million. Who knows? But at any rate, um, it caters to the the income and wealth demographic that you know we're we're commonly told is a little more impervious to economic downturns than, than, you know, the income and wealth demographic below that of, you know, who people who would be looking to buy toll homes. Well, at any rate, um, their sales, their, their unit deliveries were down quarter over quarter for it's their fiscal year, third quarter. However, I, I don't really care what has happened up to the end of the most recent quarter. That's, with the housing market, especially, that's looking in the rearview mirror. What I the, One of the first things I look at is, okay, what was their new order book like during the quarter? Well, as it turns out, tolls, new orders, you know, contracts that were signed for new toll homes were down 60% on a year-over-year basis. Now, I don't know how anyone else would define a, a housing crash, but to me, that's that's a key characteristic of a housing crash. And so what's going to happen here is that these home builders are going to have to start frantically cutting prices in order to move inventory to keep, you know, the capital that they've got invested in these homes that have taken them, you know, six months to a year to build. That capital's tied up. They want to unleash it and they're going to have to sell these homes. And at some point, um, just like in 2008 is when it started, maybe late 2007, we're going to start to see considerable Inventory write downs from the home builders. So um, one one criticism I get, or one hole that people try to shoot in my theory that the housing market is going, or the housing crash is going to be worse than 2008, is they say, "Oh well, back then you know it was all flippers using liar loans and 125 LTV loans, blah blah blah." And that's actually not true. That that's that's not. I mean that that made the housing collapse back then um, a little more severe, but the main, the main trigger point for, for that housing crisis, that housing market collapse, the plunge in, in sales and the, and the crash in prices was just your standard everyday middle-class home buyer who had many of them had maybe paid a little more than they should have for their home and they could no longer afford it. And so they either held it until they got foreclosed on and kicked out, or they sold it and they kept, you know, if they had equity in it, um, and they didn't have to come to the closing with a check. You also heard about short sales, um, where where the banks would eat money on a sale to move a house where they had the mortgage. Um, in many cases, buy, uh, sellers would have to come to the closing with a check to make up for the difference between the... The, the amount of mortgage they had on it and what they got paid for the house. But at any rate, it was, it was the same type of ingredients that caused that collapse that we're seeing now. A huge run up in prices, um, more buyer, too many buyers chasing not enough supply. And then that, that stopped, stopped dead in its tracks. And all of a sudden you had barely any buyers chasing way too much supply and prices started coming down. And that's, I mean, that's basically what we're seeing this time around, only it's much worse this time around. And to be to be frank, a large portion of the mortgages that have been underwritten since 2015 look pretty similar to some of the, uh, you know, the, the subprime flavor of mortgage back in the earlier housing bubble. And what I mean by that is that, um, Fannie and Freddie in 2015, reduced the down payment requirement from, at the time it was 5%, prior to that it was 10%. You used to have to come with 10% to to get a a conforming mortgage that was guaranteed by one of the government mortgage agencies. And they reduced it to 3%. And then they said, okay, um, it doesn't have to be cash from your pocket. You can borrow that money from friends and family. Um, If the seller wants to give you concessions, Equal to what the down payment needs to be, that type of thing, that was that was allowed for mortgages that have been underwritten since 2015. And not only that, I believe it was maybe 2017 or 2018. They in, they raised the ceiling on the debt to the allowable debt to income ratio. The debt to income ratio is your your pre tax income. It, it's the amount of your monthly debt payment relative to your Pre-tax income. So prior to when the when that ceiling was raised to 60%, it was 40%. But now it's at 60%. So that means you can come, you could come to the table with no cash in your pocket, a 3% down payment in kind, or money that you borrowed from friends and family. And with the addition of that mortgage to all the other debt payments that you monthly debt payments that you have, credit card personal debt, auto loan, student debt, et cetera, that could equal your total debt payment on a monthly basis could equal 60% of your pre-tax income. I mean, that's absurd. That is a subprime mortgage, but that is what's considered a, and if you have a a north of, you know, 620 credit score or better, that's considered a prime mortgage. Well, I got news for you. When you go into a bad recession, which we're going into now, that is a subprime mortgage. And those are the mortgages that are going to come back and bite the entire system in the ass. And we're going to start to see over the next probably six to 12 months, we're going to start to see um, a a rapid acceleration in the number of delinquencies on mortgages, defaults, and foreclosures. It's coming. I, I guarantee it. Sure as I'm sitting here. That is if you believe I'm really sitting here. So at any rate, um, I've been covering the housing market in my short seller's journal since its inception, which was late 2015. And since toward the end of 2021, I told my subscribers that I was going to place a major emphasis on short ideas for the housing market. And the reason being for that is, is that I consider shorting housing home builder stocks and also um, home construction-related stocks, housing market-related stocks, I, I consider it a no-brainer short idea. Even now, after the, the market has come down about 20%, it's it's had a bounce the last couple months, and that's great because that just means you have a better opportunity for um, shorting or reshorting some of the ideas. And I, I try to dig up as many interesting ideas as I can. Well, one of them that I presented back in, December of 2021 was a company called Open Door. It was actually November when I presented because it, it was above 20 at the time. And um, open door technologies is a basically a home flipping and home it, it's like Zillow, you know does the same type of crap Zillow does. It shows all the MLS listings, but it also went out and bought up a shitload of inventory over the last couple of years and it was, it was buying houses like crazy right at the top of the market earlier this year. And now it's it's selling a lot of these houses at a loss. And, and they're gonna be one of the reasons that pushes down the price more quickly than it might've otherwise um, been pushed down. But at any rate, I told my subscribers and I bought puts on it myself back in, in late November, 2021, when it was around $21. And I said, this thing, is going to be below 10 before the end of 2022 well it even exceeded my expectations because it went it went below 10 in late february of this year and it's 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 down around the four level it's not worth shorting here um but this this thing is going to go bankrupt at some point and This company here is one of the reasons why the inventory got thin because they were going out there competing with um, owner occupant prospective buyers and buying up that inventory. And then they make some renovations to it and then relist it up 10, 20%. And so um, if you're pissed off about what's going on in the housing market, that's one of the reasons. Uh, And there's another, there's other ideas that i've that i've come up with that have done well over the last nine months uh that aren't necessarily traditional home builders and there's several home builders that i'm short right now and that i think i've I've got an easy 50 percent gain in the short position and that's that's the type of stuff that i talk about in my short sellers journal now to tie all this into the precious metal sector because that's probably why most people tune into arcadia economics although I think there's room for more content in terms of um, analyzing the economy and why the economy is going to go into the tank and why it already is going into the tank. That really ties into the precious metals market. And and that's the type of thing that you should consider when, when you're making your investment decisions or whether or not you want to buy more physical gold or silver, et cetera. So... I haven't decided fully whether the Fed is going and the central banks in general are looking to effect a controlled demolition on the entire economic and financial system ahead of a reset or if they're going to try another round of money printing and kick the can down the road. I do think just because of the problems that'll be created if if they were to crash the system, by keep raising rates and to follow through with the reduction in the Fed's balance sheet that it's been threatening to do, but hasn't really done yet. Apparently, it's going to, um, they're going to take it up a notch in September. And I think they're also going to stop reinvesting inflows from the mortgage securities that they hold. And that's part of the reason why the balance sheet has kind of stayed afloat instead of coming down since June. It hasn't come down very much. But I, I really think at some point, for political expedience purposes, the Fed is will will do a pivot. And I also think that they're going to have, if they're going to at least make the effort to re-stimulate economic activity by printing money, I think they're going to have to print a lot more money than than they did starting in March, 2020. And then they, than they did in starting in October, 2008. And what that'll have the effect of doing is is um, the precious metal sector will go parabolic. For those of you who were involved back in two thousand eight, what's happening this summer in the precious metal sector is extraordinarily similar to to what happened back then, where where gold and silver were were taken down relentlessly over the course of the summer, and they bottomed in late October. Early November 2008, at about the time that Ben Bernanke, Ben Helicopter Ben Bernanke, announced that he was going to start a QE program that he said would not last very long and that they could reverse easily. Well, we saw how well that worked out. And the reason why I think they did that back then, and I think the same principle applies this time around, is that they knew that it was going to cause. The precious metal sector to do a moonshot but they wanted that moonshot to happen from a much lower level for for those again for those who were around the price of gold was around 1020 in march of 2008 and it got taken down all the way down to 700 and um the price of silver i believe might have hit 20 and that that got taken down to seven bucks so um you know they they were much happier that that parabolic move that started that moonshot that turned into a three-year rally in the sector um, they were much happier that it started with gold at 700 and silver at seven bucks or you know thereabouts so I I do think that we're going to see a similar dynamic this time I I don't know when I don't know the timing on it I don't expect the Fed to pivot in September I'll be interested by the time this airs I think Powell will have already given his keynote speech at the Jackson Hole Circle Jerk, Central Bank Circle Jerk, um, that starts tomorrow. But um, if you go, when you're done and you're interested, if you go study the charts of the precious metal sector, gold, silver, and just GDX, for instance, and, and run them back, you know, do a daily chart that you run back 10 years, and you can see on a on a relative basis, just how oversold the sector is right now, and so um, whether or not the Fed pivots, I think we're still going to have a nice move as as people realize, you know, the markets the markets are in trouble, housing markets in trouble, economy's in trouble. Help! I need flight to safety, and and that's that's my thesis right now in terms of why I'm starting to put capital back to work in in the mining stocks and why i've been intermittently buying physical gold and silver recently so that wraps it up for me i apologize it's a bit longer than i expected and i i hope everyone got something out of uh, my review of the housing market so until next time i hope everyone has an awesome labor day weekend and please Do something to have fun. Stay away from the markets because I think it's going to get really weird this fall in this country.
1: Well, thank you as always, Dave, for that report on the real estate market. Obviously a lot happening with interest rate hikes going on throughout the year. Fed's meeting at Jackson Hole tomorrow, which I know the market will be looking forward to seeing his comments there of any indication of what to expect at the September Fed meeting coming up in just under a month. And real quick, before we wrap up, I'd like to thank Silver Viper, who brought us today's video. Silver Viper has been exploring its La Virginia project, where it's been drilling at El Ruby, and recently found indications of new exploration targets at El Molina and Macho Libre. So you can find out more about that at silverviperminerals.com. We also did a video recently with Steve Coper. He talked about those new sites, So thank you, Silver Viper, for bringing us today's video. Thank you at home for watching. Hope you're having a great day out there, and I'll see you again tomorrow.